All right, we are going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going through uh, verses 1 through 13. Uh, this is part of a larger argument that really goes through uh, almost to the end of the book. Um, I'm just doing 13 verses. This is a very big topic, um, and there are lots of opinions, uh, because what we're talking about tonight is the, the spiritual gifts, uh, what their purpose is, is the main thing that we're going to focus on. But there's a lot of views on spiritual gifts, um, and in order to get an answer to a certain question, you really have to know a whole branch of theology for this. Um, but uh, if you guys have ever wondered, you know, what is my spiritual gift? Do I get, like, the equivalent of Christian superpowers? Uh, you know, spoiler alert, probably not like that. Um, but uh, spiritual gifts are an important part of the church. They, they serve a purpose. They, uh, they do exist today. Uh, there's some debate as to what, which gifts continue to exist. Um, but everyone, every Christian believes uh, in a certain, to a certain extent that certain gifts um, are available today. So let's, let's read this passage, and then I'm going to pray, and then we will talk about it. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the, effects of, the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. For just as the body is one, and yet has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and bringing us here to uh, hear from you and to hear your word. Father, I pray that uh, you would guide my words and, uh, and help me to explain this text and that we could understand what the purpose of these gifts are and what Paul is trying to communicate to us and that we would accept it and and believe it and love it as true. We love you, Father. Ask this in your name, Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So starting back at the beginning, uh, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. All right. So this is a change of topic. Um, so uh, before, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about uh, gender roles. All right. Uh, and then as we moved on, we talked a little bit more about unity. 
and that is a key theme of Corinthians that we've gone over over and over again, is there's a lot of divisions in the church. Um, and that is his point in bringing up the spiritual gifts. So whatever we talk about, we might, we'll, we'll go down some rabbit trails and talk a little bit about what spiritual gifts are and uh, what we could expect to see from them um, and what some different views are on them. But we, wa- we want to get to the main point, is, and it's why is Paul bringing this up? And the, the whole point that Paul is bringing up is that all of these gifts are serving a purpose, and that purpose is the unity and upbuilding of the church. All right? So he doesn't want them to be unaware. He wants them to know. All right? And so this actually hits on one of the first key points that's really important about uh, spiritual gifts, uh, is that they require knowledge. Um, there, there's a lot of a lack of discernment and a lot of opinions around, about the spiritual gifts, uh, but there are facts about the spiritual gifts. There's doctrine, and there are whole sects of Christianity that want to say, you know, if you say anything, if you want to nail down a doctrine about the Spirit, you're putting, uh, you're putting restraints on the Spirit. They'll say, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But, but Paul is saying here already, just at the beginning, there, are, there is a doctrine of the Holy Spirit. All right? there, there is doctrine involved with him. We're not allowed to just say something is spiritual and then just run wild. Okay? So he doesn't want us to be aware. All right? And he even is contrasting. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. All right? So um, one thing that's important to recognize is that just because it's spiritual doesn't mean that it is good. I'll say that again. Uh, just because it is spiritual doesn't mean that it is good. Uh, you guys are probably familiar with the passage from 1 John, and, and we'll read it tonight, um, where he says to test the spirits to see whether or not they are from God. Uh, just because it is spiritual does not mean it is good. If you go to Asheville, and I have many times, and you ask people what they believe, um, probably 60% of the time you might encounter someone whose answer is, I am a very spiritual person. Okay. Uh, the, the follow-up question that you should ask is, what do you mean by that? Because what they mean is that they believe in some higher power, uh, and a lot of them are Wiccans, uh, like they're witches, and a lot of them are Satanists, and a lot of them are Buddhists, which is itself demonic, uh, or Hindu. All right. So when they say that, throw out, throw out that word spiritual, uh, they're saying it to try to create this... Uh, something that you have in common with them. Although Christians are spiritual, we're spiritual too. Just because it is spiritual does not mean that it is good. Okay? There are bad spirits. There are demons uh, in this world. All right? You read the Gospels and you see many times Jesus cast out demons. Uh, and so there are people who will poo-poo on that and they'll say, you know, you can't really believe in stuff like that. Well, no, I read the Bible. It, they exist um, you know, I'm not going to say everything, I'm not going to attribute everything to demons, I'm not going to attribute my own sin to demons, but they exist, they're in the world, all right, and they do have influence, and so they are spirits, and I'm not going to open myself up to any spirit that I want, that I want to. So if I say, yo, spirit come, uh, well, that's, that term is a little ambiguous, you know, Bethel likes to use that term, they like to go sit on graves and suck up people's anointings, if you guys, uh, that's, a, that's a thing that Bethel Church does, um, and so that's, they say it's spiritual, but I would say, okay, yeah, demonically spiritual. Okay, so uh, 
there, is, there are spiritual gifts, there is doctrine for those spiritual gifts, uh, and it matters what you believe about it. And if you're not careful, you will again be led astray, okay, to mute idols, which he, which he uh, clarifies in other passages that they are demons, okay? Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, all right? And he's even actually right now laying out doctrine, all right? And so this is actually the test that John gives us. He says anyone that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, all right? So if a spirit, uh, if anything spiritual is happening and they don't confess Christ as the one Lord of all things, well, well it's not a good spiritual thing, okay? So if you talk to a Buddhist you know, they believe, um, they believe that physical reality is kind of an illusion, uh, and they, they won't have any problem with people talking about Jesus. They'll say he was a good teacher. They'll say he was an avatar uh, of a certain kind of thinking, uh, and that by tapping into his thinking, you can achieve nirvana. Well, they're proclaiming Christ, but they're not proclaiming Christ as Lord, as the one, as the way, the truth, and the life. And so even though they may be spiritual and even though they may, they may mention Christ, it's, it's not from God. Those spirits are not from God. Or even one closer to home, you know, the Mormons, they say that Jesus is God. Well, they redefine that Jesus is one of many gods. Uh, and you can be a god. And, and God was once a human. And all, all of these things, so they, they even you know, profess the name of Christ. It's in the name of their church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but do they confess Jesus as Lord? Do they confess Jesus as the one and only, the way, the truth, and the life? No, okay, so they don't have the true Spirit of God, however spiritual they are. And one of their main claims that when they, when they come to share the gospel, uh, their, their version of the gospel, uh, they'll say, we have a living prophet. They say, we have the Spirit of God moving in our church through a prophet. Does your church have that? And they'll make you... They'll make people kind of feel like, oh, well, you know, there should be a prophet. Well, not if he, not if he lies about who God is. Okay, uh, So getting into the gifts, uh, verse 4 through 8. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. All right? And so we're going to underline some, some key words here. All right? And the purpose of key words or even key verses is not to focus just on them or to take them out of context. But the key words and the key verses actually help us to make sense of the whole context. Okay, So when you hear verses like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that's a key verse of that passage. It's supposed to help you understand the whole passage, not for you to just take that one verse out and use it however you want to. So we're going to get some key words here. So now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. So I underline same spirit. There are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord, all right, underlining that, there's, there's another key phrase there. There are varieties of effects, but the same God, all right, and here's two key words as well, key phrases, He works all things in all persons. Okay, so here's what He's saying. There's a lot of things going on in the church, all right, even at South River. There is a lot of ministries in the church. There's the children's ministry, there's the youth ministry, there's the worship ministry, and there's seniors, and there's, and there's ministry to the college-age students, and there's, you know, 
all of the 80 things that Pastor Scott's doing. Uh, and then there's the, the, you know, just the big church. And then there's the uh, women's Bible studies. And then there's the men's Bible. So there's, there's tons of things going on just at South River. Okay. All right. And so there are varieties of ministries. All right. But there's one thing that they all have in common, at least one. All right. And that is that it's the same God orchestrating it. It's the same gospel. All right. And so while we have all of these different things going on, there's supposed to be this underlying theme of unity in all the ministries is that the whole purpose is to preach the gospel and to disciple those who have repented and believed. All right. It's for them to grow. All right. So there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, varieties of ministry, but the same Lord, varieties of effects, but the same God. And, and this actually goes not just to church, but to all things, all right? So uh, we believe that God is sovereign, God is in control, and He is the one who is working all things uh, for His glory. Uh, Joseph says to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, all right? And so what Paul is pointing out here is, hey, even though you guys have differences, you can still have unity. Because again, unity is a key theme of this, of this book. All right, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All right, so here's the first interesting part <clears throat> is that phrase, the manifestation of the Spirit. So that means that in every Christian, there's something showing forth the fact that they have the Spirit in them. Okay, now it doesn't, it's not necessarily the same for every person, but there's something showing forth that there is the Spirit working in this person. Uh, so there are diff different opinions on what that means, but I think at the very least, and I think this is actually one of the marks of a Christian, the very least, this manifestation of the Spirit is your sanctification. Your sanctification. You becoming more like Christ. Because when you have God living inside of you, He is going to shape your hearts, shape your heart, shape your desires, and he's going to make you look more like him. Uh, the famous passage of the fruits of the Spirit. You guys, does anyone, can anyone uh, rattle off that verse or tell me what the fruits of the Spirit are? Anyone have those memorized? You can raise your hand and call it. All right, let's hear the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah, not selfishness. Yeah, self-control. Yeah. I've got to put you on the spot. All right, so uh, all of those fruits, okay, those are evident in the life of every believer, right? Those things aren't an option. You will grow in those areas, and that will be the manifestation of the Spirit in your life. And here he says there's a purpose. There's this, this key word for. Why, why do we have this manifestation of the Spirit? And he says, for the common good. For the common good. All right, and so this goes back to the part that, you know, our culture is very individualistic. You know, two weeks ago I, I talked about the, the patriarchy and hierarchy and gender roles and how, you know, both, we need both genders and they're working together to accomplish something, to raise families, to raise societies, all right? But even you as an individual in the church, you're part of something. It's not just you coming to church and then leaving, you're actually part of something, even you're part of something greater than South River, because South River is not the extent 
of Christendom. It's not the extent of the church of God. There are, I would say, the majority of the church of God is not in South River because we're just one church, right? There's only so many people here. There's churches all throughout America, all throughout the continent, all throughout the world, people all over from every tribe and tongue eventually that proclaim the name of Christ, and we are part of that. And you actually have the Spirit in you to benefit the other people in, in, in this body. And, and I want you to think about that, that you have, if you're a Christian, God is making you holy so that you can bless your brother and sister in Christ. So, so, so think about that, that you have qualities that are not for yourself. You have skills, you have abilities, you have giftings that are not primarily for you to benefit from. All right? And so with our individualistic culture, everything is about you. It's you, 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 you. What do you want to do? What do you feel like doing? What do you want to be when you grow up? All right? But in the body of Christ, all right, there's, a, there's a common goal. It's you're, you're working for the upbuilding of everyone in the church, and so you, you play a role in that. Yes, even you in the, in the youth ministry, you can pour into each other's lives. You can share the gospel with each other. You can help your brother and sister grow. Okay? Uh, moving on, uh, verses 8 through 11. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. All right, I'm underlining same there. He's still hitting on this unity. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. There is only one Holy Spirit. And to another the effecting of miracles. And to another prophecy. And to another the distinguishing of spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. And to another the interpretation of tongues. And here's, here's the key verse. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually just as he will. So underline that. That's a key verse. It's, it's important to understanding the rest of this passage. Okay, So uh, we have here one of the lists of spiritual gifts, as it is called. All right, And we see a couple. We see wisdom, knowledge, faith, uh, healing, miracles, prophecy, the distinguishing of spirits, uh, speaking in tongues, and interpreting tongues. Uh, there's, another, there's another list, and some of them are the same, and some of them are different. And then some would consider there's another list in Ephesians that talks about uh, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, because uh, he uses the same kind of language here as for the building up of the body, which we're going to get in the next, next two verses. All right, so a uh, key thing here is to under, understand, okay, even, all, all, even though all these gifts are different, there's the same Spirit giving these gifts, okay? So... If, for example, we, we saw the spiritual gifts uh, in a miraculous way, like they did in the church, and you know, if, if Emmett was you know, prophesying and, uh, and Micah was speaking in tongues, would that mean that they had different spirits inside of them? No, they, have the same, they would have the same spirit, the spirit of God, all right, if they were Christians, right? So that's, it's one... One Spirit, one Lord, one God, one faith, one baptism. Right? There's one true faith that we hold to, and even if we have many different gifts, we're all operating according, uh, according to the same uh, truth. We're all following the same God. Okay? So uh, 
Another, another uh, part to, to understand is he's saying, for to one is given the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge, and to another faith, and to another the effecting of miracles, and another, and another, and another, all throughout. Okay, So what this hints at is that it's not just one person who gets all the powers. All right? There's no, they're not powers. Okay? But that's the way a lot of people like to think about spiritual gifts. Right? It's not just one person who uh, gets all of these gifts and they, they're, they're the man. They're the, they're the one holding the church. And that's on purpose. Okay? And we're going to get this as, as we get into this analogy that Paul's going to go through. The analogy that we have is the body. Okay? The analogy that we have is the body. So I'm going to go forward to these, to these verses. We'll go back. Uh, verse 12 and 13, he says, For just as the body is one. Okay? The body is one. Do any of you guys have more than one body? No, you just got one body, right? But you guys have many body parts. Almost countless. Uh, all right? Uh, depending on how you, how you break it up, right? So you've got you know, hands, you've got feet, you've got legs, uh, you've got a head, you've got eyes, you've got ears, eyes, mouth, nose, all right? You've got all these body parts, all right? But you are one person, okay? Uh, and it's like that on purpose, and, and Paul will go on to say, if the body was just an eyeball, how could the eyeball smell? How could the eyeball taste? How could the eyeball feel? All right? Uh, one of my mentors, he says that your body, you know, he gives this analogy where if you're, if you're walking and you trip because you're goofy and you go out and the first thing that happens is your hands come up, right? Why do your hands come up when you fall? Is it because, he says, is it because you hate your hands and you, and you like to see them suffer whenever you fall? No, it's just because your hands can take that blow. Your hands are made to be able to catch your fall. They're, they, they serve a purpose, okay? And so there are many gifts in the church and each serve a purpose and they all work together, okay? So there are leaders in the church. Um, there are servants in the church. There are people who are gifted at singing in the church. There are people who are gifted at teaching in the church. There are people who are gifted at counseling in the church. There are people who are gifted at evangelism in the church. There are people who just have, you know, incredible uh, manual labor skills, like they're very knowledgeable, they can fix anything. Uh, we, we, there's writers, there's composers, there's artists, all right? And all of these skills, no one has all of them. Can, can you guys think of anyone who's like, they've got all the skills. They do, they do all things well. And I would say, no, there's only, there, that phrase is used of Christ. He is the one who does all things well. Remember that about him. He is not like us. Jesus Christ is the one who does all things well. And without the Spirit, we can do none of these things. There is, there is no accomplishing anything in the church without the Spirit of Christ. And so we are given these gifts for the purpose of, of building up the body. We don't have all of them, and we're actually supposed to rely on each other. Okay? So if you think back a couple weeks ago when we talked about gender roles, all right, I talked about how, uh, how children raised without a father, all right, how they're more likely, at least for young men, they're more likely to end up in prison, all right? The wife cannot be both the mother and the father, OK? 
Okay? God has designed the family in a way that you actually need both genders in the, in the family performing their roles in order to have a healthy family. Okay? And within the church, God has designed it in such a way that you need to function according to your roles, otherwise the body doesn't function. And I want, I want you guys to think about that, all right? If you think about someone that you know with a physical disability, okay, part of their body doesn't function, and the rest of their body has to make up for it and work overtime, and sometimes it just doesn't. Sometimes the body fails. And I want you to think about, well, what is my role, and am I performing this role, or is the rest of the body having to try to make up for it, or, and even can they make up for it? You have a purpose. There, there's no, there's no uh, the, the evolutionists like to use the term vestigial appendage. Has anyone ever heard that? They said it a lot about the appendix. They say, okay, you don't need your appendix. It, it serves no purpose. Well, it does serve a purpose. You can live without it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't serve a purpose. You can live without your arm, but that doesn't mean it doesn't serve a purpose. Uh, it's not nece- nece- necessary to... Uh, support life, but it does serve a purpose, all right? And so every one of you serves a purpose in, in the body, all right, and, and, and serves a vital role because no, no one body part is just more, one more important than another, okay? For just as the body is one yet has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, there's one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. Right? So this is, this is crucial here, more for their culture than for ours. Uh, but you know, for the Jews of that time, they thought, you know, we're the people. There, there are, there are no, there's no one else going to heaven. It's just Jews. Right? And Paul is being very clear, hey, you know, there's that, that distinction doesn't exist. Gentiles are allowed to go to heaven, which is great news for us, right? Because I'm a Gentile, and looking out uh, on you guys, you know, I can tell that most of you guys are not of Hebrew descent. And so it's good news that God has opened this door and made salvation available to you, right? And so what he's saying is that even though we have different backgrounds, right, and race is a big, a big issue right now, right? Everyone wants to talk about race, right? Uh, but in the gospel... We're one people. We have one God. We may have different families, different tribes, different tongues, but we come together for a common purpose to worship the one God. The common purpose is not to redistribute wealth. The common purpose is not to make sure some people uh, you know, give their money to poor people and some people uh, give all of their time to serve it's the, the, the purpose is to worship the one God, okay? And then as we are worshiping the one true God, we're building each other up to holiness, all right? Because God's people are required to be holy, okay? So that's the main, the main point of this, this passage here, and I know that's pretty short. Um, we're we're going to get into the more uh, hot topic stuff, the stuff that people disagree about. Um, but I want you guys to understand the main passage before we go down this rabbit trail, because lots of people have lots of questions about the spiritual gifts. What are they? How do they work? All right, and they're fine, 
But whatever your answer is, whether you are a cessationist, and we'll talk about what that means, or a continuist, or a charismatic, uh, whatever your answer is, it's clear from the text that the purpose of whatever the gifts are is to build up the church. It's not for someone's own glory. Um, it's not for any other reason other than the building up of the church for God's people to be holy and to worship Him. All right, okay? So um, there is... Uh, here's, the, here's the Ephesians passage. I'll read that real quick. Um, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So there, there it is. Why do, why do they have this? That we all attain to the unity of the faith. There's a, there's a key phrase. And the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly. So that, that refer, that's a challenge to you guys to work properly within the body makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. He, he's saying here again, what's the purpose? Well, it's for the building up of the body. For the building up of the body. Okay, so uh, main controversy is on what are called the sign gifts. Uh, the sign gifts. And so the sign gifts are usually um, designated to the gifts of prophecy, miracles, healing, the speaking of tongues, and what is called the office of the apostle. Some people will call it big A apostle. All right, so those are what are called the sign gifts. Those are things that when you see, like, it, you have, you have to stop. All right, you have to look at it. You can't turn your eyes away. Whether they're doing it right or wrong, you've got to look. All right, so if you watch videos of, of Word of Faith or, you know, people who are, who are, you know, falling out in the spirit, or Benny Hinn, he's whacking people with jackets, and they're passing out, all right? You, you have to look. That's a sign. That's what people call the sign gifts, right? So um, Jesus would say, you know, uh, if you have enough faith, you can move this mountain uh, into the sea, all right? That's what people would say is a miracle. Uh, if someone's dying from cancer and someone comes up and heals them, that would be something that you would stop and you'd have to dwell on. Right? Those are the sign gifts, um, and so the disagreement within the church is on whether or not the so-called sign gifts continue. And if they do, how they are available to the church today. So the things that are not sign gifts that people agree still continue are the things like uh, pastors. Uh, it's very clear in that list in Ephesians that uh, that's a gift from the Spirit. No one makes themselves uh, a pastor. God, God calls them to that role. The gift of teaching, uh, the gift of an evangelist, um, extraordinary wisdom, because we all need, we all, we're all called to wisdom, um, and I would say it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, so those gifts are available to all, to all the, uh, the people today. Everyone agrees on that, but it's the sign gifts that people are like, some are like, yes, they continue, and some are like, no. So I've got this uh, chart here for you to look at. So there's two main views, and those are the two big words up at the top, uh, cessationist and from the root of that word, you could get cease, which means to stop. So the, the people on that side of the line, they say, no, these gifts do not continue. Okay. And then on 
The other side is the people who say, yes, these gifts continue. And I'll tell you how, what I feel. I even talked to Pastor Chris, and, uh, and, and we're not on the same exact point, but we're pretty close. Um, and so for, for a lot of that, what a lot of Christians will agree on is that everyone to the left of that red line, they're still Christians. We just disagree, all right? So there, there are things that you can disagree on in the church and still love them and think that they're going to heaven. So understand that first. So before I tell you my opinion, before I tell you anyone's opinion, understand that for charismatic people on, on this, you know, this part of that line, a lot of them will believe, hey, you know, these hard cessationists, they're still Christians, we just disagree on the Spirit. We, th- we think they're missing out. That's what a lot of them, we, th- we think they're missing out on the full beauty of the gospel. They'll even call a lot of their churches the full gospel because they think everyone else is missing out. All right? And then the cessationists, like the hard cessationists talking to a classical continuist or, or a or charismatic continuist, they'll say, hey, you know, I think you're in danger of, of, of doing foolish things, but as long as you believe the core tenets of the faith, I still believe that you're a Christian. Once you get past what I, you know, and that I made this, so other people may have different opinions on this. This is not like from a textbook or anything. I just, I made this. Past that red line is what I would consider, no, they've lost it, all right? So I put there is extreme charismatic, and I'll define what I mean by extreme, and then word of faith, I haven't put that arrow down because I think the word of faith is disgusting. Um, so it's, it's, they're continuous, but they are not Christian. They'll, they'll call themselves just part of the Pentecostal movement. All right? They are so far gone. They're not even close. So if you hear people like Todd White, Benny Hinn, uh, Joel Osteen, uh, Prosperity Gospel is, is in this same vein of thinking. Um, who's that really old guy? Kenneth Copeland. Um, Watch a video, watch a YouTube video of him talking to a lady about his jet, and you'll be like, yeah, that man's got a demon in him. He's, he's creepy. Um, so uh, those people are far gone. Okay, so here, here I'm going to go through these different views. So on the cessationist side, they believe the gifts of the Spirit, and, and they mean the sign gifts, are not available to the church today under any circumstance. All right, so the hard view says, no, it, it, it's just that. There's, it's never happening it's, we're done with it. It happened for the early church. Not anymore. All right. Then there's the mature view. Uh, and I heard that from somebody. I don't know if it's in a textbook or official. Uh, they might have a different terminology for it. But this view is that um, the spiritual gifts are available in areas of the world where the gospel has not yet been reached uh, and where they have no Bible. Does that make sense? So if someone was going into like West Sentinelese Island where that guy John Chow died um, about eight years ago, um, they would believe, hey, we might see some spiritual gifts there to, uh, because they believe that the, the purpose of the sign gifts is to accompany the message of the gospel the first time it reaches a culture. Okay? But they say once those people have the gospel and once they have the Bible, we'll stop seeing the spiritual gifts. Okay? Does that make sense? You guys following me? If not, uh, write write it down, and we can we'll be in spiritual gifts for a couple weeks probably. All right, uh, and then there's the soft view, and from what I understood to Pastor Chris, this is where he fell. Was he said he doesn't? You know, it's it's this is I don't think the spiritual gifts are are happening anymore, but God does what He wants. So we may we may see things. 
but it's definitely not from a person, you know, exuding the gift of healing or exuding the gift of prophecy. It's God does what he wants. You know, people get sick and people get healed. So that's a view of, for a lot of Baptists, I would say. Um, John MacArthur would probably be the hard stance. Um, and where he's like, no, it's just the, these gifts are not happening. Okay. All right. And so on the continuous side, uh, there's the hesitant view. Uh, and this is also a pretty common view. It's very similar to the, cessation, the soft cessationist view, which is, um, I think the gifts are still existing, but I'm very skeptical of everyone who's using them. Uh, and so that's a fair opinion, all right? And so that's where I am, all right? And I'll explain why I am a hesitant uh, continuist. Um, so that's, that's the view that I think these gifts still happen, but uh, I've almost never seen them used well. Uh, and then the classical continuous just says, hey, they're available for the church. You may have the gift of prophecy. You may not. Um, but if you go to the charismatic side, it's like these gifts exist and you should be pursuing them. And that's taking up a large part of their worship, a large part of their doctrine is what a lot of people use the word is charismania. Okay. And so everything they do is about being bathed in the spirit and the spirit being there and the power being there. All right. And so a lot of people think that they've gone, they've, they've, they're very unhealthy in their views of the spirit. Uh, and a lot of them are getting very close if they're not already off the spectrum, right? So I put charismatic there because I do believe there are charismatic Christians that are, that are saved. Um, and, I, and I wanted to make a distinction between the extreme charismatic. What the extreme charismatics will say, and this goes into the word of faith as well, is they'll say you are not saved unless you have demonstrated one of these sign gifts. They'll say unless you have spoken in tongues, unless you have uh, prophesied or healed or done one of these things, you're not a Christian, okay? So that's just wrong. You don't have to do that to be a Christian. You have to have the Spirit of God. That you have to have the Spirit of God, but you don't have to have one of these sign gifts to be a Christian. The main thing that the Spirit does to all believers that we all have in common is, like I said, this, this sanctification process, is you becoming more holy as your life goes on. If you go through your life and you think, man, I'm not as holy I'm not any more holy than I was 10 years ago, all right? You should take a long, hard look at, at whether or not you're really a Christian, all right? Because if you have the Spirit, you should see yourself becoming more holy, all right? And then into the Word of Faith movement, that's the really bad stuff, uh, and, I, and maybe I should have put prosperity gospel here as well, all right? They believe that not only do the gifts con continue, but they're man-centered. You've got pretty much complete control the Spirit is a power that you use at your own discretion. It's something you should pursue, and whenever you want to heal someone, you declare it. You're like, this is going to happen. Uh, this guy's going to get healed. All right. Uh, during COVID, Bethel, uh, there was like this four-year-old girl that died, and they had this huge thing that they were like, what was it called? Pray for, what was this little girl's name, you remember? Pray for Olive. They were, it was huge. They were like, Pray for Olive. She's going to come back from the dead. They didn't bury this girl. They just they, they left her unburied because they were praying for God to heal. And they were all declaring, God's going to heal her. God's going to heal her because we choose. We have the spiritual gifts. And, she's, and she still died. Or she, was still, she already died. She stayed dead. All right? And that's terrible. You know, it's sad. Uh, you know, people die every day. But the word of faith movement is, is it's always God's will to heal, which is just not, it doesn't make sense because 
Everyone dies. And it's in the scripture that we should die. All right? We, we, we're going to die and we're going to lose this fleshly body and we're going to put on a new one. Our hope is not in this world. It's in the one to come. All right? So we're, the, the Word of Faith movement, they're just like, we're, Joel Osteen's book is your best life now. Every day of Friday. All right? And this, for, for Joel Osteen, it is his best life now. He's living as good as it's going to get for him. Because when he dies, it's not going to be good. All right? So they're off the edge. That's that red line. All right? Um, so uh, here, here's something against that hard, that red line, past that red line. Here's uh, Romans 12. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Here's a, here's a passage that people really do not want to hear. That, that phrase right there, according to the grace given us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, to, even service is a spiritual gift there, um, the one who teaches in his teaching, to the one who exhorts in his exhortation, to the one who contributes in generosity, to the one who leads with zeal, to the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All right, so there's uh, one thing I want to mention about spiritual gifts, and, and this is really important uh, to get your minds around. Um, and I see it a lot with evangelism, um, but you can see it here. Uh, there are some spiritual gifts that, that seem to be required of all believers, so like service, all right? Service is a, is a Christian virtue. Every Christian needs to be serving, right? We all agree, right? But there are some people who are better at it. They're, they're just better at it than others, all right? And that doesn't, what that does is it tells us, hey, um, just because someone is better at it than you doesn't mean that you don't also have an obligation to fulfill that role in the church, all right? So evangelism is one that I see a lot. People will tell me, hey, you're so... You're a very gifted evangelist. I'll encourage them to evangelize. They'll say, I don't have that gift. Okay? So there are things in the church that you're not allowed to say that to. All right? So serving's one of them. Uh, evangelism is one of them. Uh, wisdom is one of them. All right? There are things that you need to be demonstrating in your church. The reason that they are gifted people is to teach you how to get better at it. All right? So there, there are people, for example, if you just want to learn guitar, all right? Uh, you don't learn guitar from someone who's not gifted at guitar, all right? And so there are people who they spend their whole lives, you know, maybe they're naturally gifted there, but they practice, and every, every musician, no matter how naturally talented they are, they have to practice, right? and if they're going to teach someone, they have to be skilled in there, they have to be gifted in that area, and that's how they teach other people to be good in that area. And so if you have someone who's very gifted in evangelism, all right, his purpose, one, is to share the gospel, but also to teach those of you who are not gifted in evangelism how to evangelize, how to reach the lost, because evangelism is a command from God. Go forth and make disciples. Okay? Does that make sense? So there, there are things in the church that, that we all do, and just some do better than others, and that's fine. There's no cause for jealousy. We all have different roles. There are things that you are going to do that you're going to do better than others, and the the point of that is not to puff you up and be like, oh, I'm the, I'm the good teacher, I'm the good evangelist, I'm the good server. It's for the purpose of the body. 
Okay. Um, so I just wanted to say this too. This is this is towards that that hard uh, the red, past the red line. The people who would claim it, name it, claim it, declare. There's one time in Scripture, and I think it's there just to just so it can be the exception to the rule. And it's Joshua 10. It's this passage of Scripture where um, the Israelites are about to enter into uh, Israel. They're they're driving out all the people. Um, and they're battling, and Joshua makes the sun stand still in the sky. And if anything's a sign gift, that's definitely one of them. Um, so at that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. So he wanted the sun to stop so they could have daylight to kill all their enemies, right? Because they didn't have nighttime combat then. There's no uh, night vision goggles or thermal goggles, right? And it says here, And is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set about for a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since, not when the sun stopped, when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, Okay. So I believe this passage is here as the exception to prove the rule that you don't get to exercise the spiritual gifts the way that the word of faith would claim or extreme charismatics would claim where you have this gift and you just use it at your discretion. Well, there's only been one time, no day before, no day since, when someone told the Lord what to do. Okay, And it says there's a very specific reason. It says, for the Lord fought for Israel. All right, You guys... You, you, you don't get to use this, the, the, the spiritual gifts like that. They're not superpowers that, that God gives Christians uh, to exercise. They are there at His discretion for His purposes. We are but humble uh, channels for the Spirit to work through us, to encourage one another, um, and it's for our mutual benefit. Um, and uh, just this one more passage, then we'll go to small group. I know it's uh, getting long. This is, a, like I said, it's a big topic. We'll be in this topic for a couple weeks. Um, but this is an important verse to remember. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So again, for those hardline people, all right, they would say they're t- tapping into the spirit, but which spirit? Is it a spirit that, that claims to, to, to come in the name of the Lord? Because right? there, there are bad spirits. So, so just remember that um, before you go seeking out spiritual gifts, there's, there's a warning there. Just because it's spiritual does not mean that it's good. Okay, so we all have gifts of the Spirit uh, in a sense that God has uh, given His Spirit to us if we are Christians, and He's using His Spirit to change us to be more like Him, to be more holy, and the purpose of that is to be holy as a group and to encourage each other towards more holiness. So whatever, your, whatever anyone's view is, cessationist, continuist, at the very least, you have to remember this, there's a purpose for the gifts, and it is for the mutual upbuilding of the church. Does that make sense? Any questions? Okay, so uh, since this is such an interesting topic, uh, 
I think what you guys should do, if you really have some questions, uh, is to come to me or Pastor Scott and ask them, uh, and maybe we can address them uh, to the group, because maybe someone else has the same question. But this is a very interesting topic. It's, it's very, you know, there's lots of arguments within the church on this. But again, like I said, just because we disagree within the church, continuous and cessationist, does not mean that we can't have fellowship. Right? There are things that are so important that we can't have fellowship on. There are things that if, you know, if, they're, if in their charismania they're saying you, know, you have to have these gifts in order to be a Christian, then that might be something to break fellowship with. Okay? But there are things that we can still hold, hold, uh, hold fast to and have unity with them. All right? So I'll pray and then we'll go to small groups. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us here to learn about your word. Father, I pray that uh, you would give us an understanding of what it means to be a Christian and that you would give us an understanding of what it means to be part of your body um, and what it means to have your spirit living inside of us and what that spirit is doing and, and how he is working in us uh, and how he is working through us uh, for the body. And so, Father, I pray that uh, you would encourage us in that. I pray that... Um, if nothing else, that this, would, uh, this talk would encourage uh, these students to read the gospel more, to read the Bible more, to uh, come up with some questions and to try to answer them uh, with your word, Father, because um, we, we all will definitely agree that it is your word that is inerrant, your word is, that is the authority, and it's your word that we can trust. I love you, Father. I ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.